Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. We're talking with Jim Madigan, head coach at Northeastern University Men's Ice Hockey. So your time winds down, and you go into scouting in the NHL. Um, what made did you? What made you decide to to leave and go scout for the Islanders? What was the reasoning? Just yet one of the yeah, no, it was. Um, you know, and, and we had uh, I worked with Fernie for three years as a head coach, and Don McKenney took the program over for two years. So I worked with him. Uh, ben Smith came on. Uh, Born, I see your your uh, Olympic jersey, and Ben was head back coach. over here. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jersey and I, I was fortunate to work with Ben for two years and then I just thought at that point that you know coaching perspective I had a young family um, that you know that it was time to make a change I still wanted to stay involved in the game um, but it, you know it, it was probably better for me to step aside from the coaching part of it at that point I had an opportunity to go up to UMass Amherst uh, uh, Joy Mellon was taking over the program there looked at that opportunity and then you know but I, I knew I wanted to stay at Northeastern in some type of capacity. I was fortunate to go back into facilities with a gentleman by the name of Jack Malone, who I did some co-op jobs with at Northeastern. He also over, oversaw and managed athletic facilities. So I was able to spend some time in athletic facilities. And then by staying in the game, um, I, I, you know, I want scouting became an opportunity and I was doing some camps in, in, in Long Island, New York, and with Pat Flatley and a guy, a former Islander named Jerry Hart, and an opportunity opened up there with the Islanders. And, um, and I was able to meet with Donnie Maloney and Darcy Regeer, who, who at that point was, were the GM and assistant GMs. And uh, I was able to you know, land a full-time, excuse me, a part-time scouting position with them uh, back in 90, you know, 93. And it was great. I learned an awful lot about the game, again, from a different perspective. What did your experience from the collegiate ranks, what did you bring to the Islanders in that regard? Well, you know, if the NHL is called scouting, at the college level is called recruiting, right? Yes. So, you know, how to watch, I, I had some recruiting knowledge and experience um, and, you know, identifying what makes a good Northeastern player. Um, so I, I thought I brought some of that and I knew the region. They wanted me to focus in on the New England region, your know, Boston and New England. And I knew the region very well. I knew the high school coaches. I knew the players that were coming up, um, you know, and this was a region that, you know, the, the other scouts didn't really know because it was different. All the other leagues were major junior leagues, as, as you know, Chris, and Quebec major junior, Ontario hockey league, Western, Western hockey league. Yeah. You know, yeah. The USHL, which was more in the Midwest. So it was kind of a, the U.S. high school prep school junior was just starting to come in was was a little bit unknown from a lot. And I had those relationships. So I, I think I was bringing that to the table. I end up learning a lot more on the scouting side from the people that I was working with. Burt Marshall, Marshall Johnson, the Darcy Regeer, um, a lot of those folks, Tony you know, Feltrin, uh, Gordy Clark ended up coming in, in with the Islanders. And I learned a lot from Gordy and from Tony uh, and how you look at a player. And, you know, when you're coaching and recruiting, you're doing multiple things. When you're scouting, you're just focusing focusing in on scouting. And so you can really dissect a player and, and, you know, we can all dissect a player and say the player doesn't do A, B, C, and D. And instead let's look at what the player does do. Let's look at his attributes that will allow him to get to the national hockey league and focus on the good things. So um, those folks that I just mentioned, you really helped me out from a scouting perspective and how to evaluate talent. What are certain traits or things that they look for in the NHL 
for a player? I mean, is there, is there just like a, is there like a set list or is it sort of like, Oh, I never thought that he could do this. I mean, is there certain things they're looking for on a team? Yeah. You know, and certainly the skill set, you know, everyone's looking for. And I know when, when I was fortunate after I left the Islanders, I went to the Penguins and Ray Shiro was in there, came in and uh, Randy Sexton and Jay Heinbuck and uh, Chuck Fletcher and um, went through an, Tommy Fitzgerald actually also went through an exercise and uh, what does a future Pittsburgh Penguin going to look like? And this is one team's approach. And this goes back obviously in 2006 to 2011 when I was there. And, you know, we put an emphasis on hockey sets. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be able to process the play. The game's a fluid game. It's not static. Um, it's not frame by frame. It's moving. So hockey sets was number one. Skating ability was number two. Stick skills were number three. Um, and then, the intangibles, right? The grit part was number four. The first three you can you can identify, you know, by watching a player on the ice. Um, you know, is he smart? Does he process the play? Um, you know, the stick skills, the skating ability. The fourth part, those intangibles, the grit, the determination. You can see physical play. You can see that. But those intangibles, you really got to go deep into a player and see second effort, determination, passion for the game, uh, willingness to compete, all of those above, how much character the player has. That's where it takes a little bit of time. And some, a lot of times, that's the difference in the player making it or not making it, right? The, the five-star stud is going to, you know, for the most part, make it based on skills but they're very few in that top of the pyramid, right? Um, now, when it, when the pyramid gets a little bit lower, you know, those intangibles and characteristics, uh, qualities that are allowing a player to, to make it, you've really got to identify. Sometimes in the NHL, you see a guy doesn't get drafted, you know, he gets overlooked or he gets taken in a very late round and all of a sudden he makes the NHL. Is there something the scouts missed? Is there something that, you know, he developed over the course of time in college or he developed a little bit better and whoops, you know, sometimes it's just nature, you know, develops. Correct. So I mean, is, is that, is it, is that simple or is it just something else or. It's probably a combination of, of the two, Chris, um, you know, it's an 18 to 20 year old draft, right? So you're drafting these young men at an early age. And for the most part, most of the players, 90, 5% of players are drafted at 18, where they haven't reached full maturity levels. Physical maturity, social maturity, athletic maturity, and emotional maturity, right? And the emotional maturity is a big component to, to a determination of whether a player is going to make it to the next level. So you're making that evaluation at 18, where in other sports, they're making it at, you know, in, in basketball, it's at least one year out after, right? And baseball, there's different time periods. In football, it could be a 20 or 21. And so it's a little bit down the road. So you're, you're pinning your hopes a little bit. It's, it's not a science. Um, you're pinning your hopes on an 18 year old. Um, and then there's the, 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 the other part to that is what you just said, the, that maturity comes later. So, you know, if you don't miss a player, Josh Manson's a great example. He was a late round pick, you know, his last year of draft eligibility, seventh round pick out of the British Columbia junior hockey league. And, he was just coming into his own at 20 years of age, right? His dad played 18 years in the NHL. Yep. Dave, you know, Charlie Madsen, as we all yes. know, first round pick, physical, tough, your great career in the NHL. But Josh, he was his, everyone's maturation and development's at a different stage. And his was just a little bit later. Not that it was wrong. It was just a little bit later. Plays with us for three years. And all of a sudden he's, he's really hitting a stride, right? Leaves us, plays, I don't know, about, 
you know, a quarter of a season in the American League, and he's been an NHL pro since that point and as an assistant captain for, for the um, you know, Anaheim Ducks. But it's more – it was a delay – not even delayed. It was – for some people, that's just their normal progression. So it, the, the draft at 18 and 20 hurts, and then sometimes you just you, you know, under-evaluate a player as well as over-evaluate a player, yep. under-evaluate a player. So that happens because scouting is not a, a science, and particularly at an early age. And, you know, for me – Hey, I look back at those kids that I miss, right? Either on the plus side or the negative side, it just helps you out as a scout then to when other players come around again with similar characteristics, you have a reflection point on, on players of that type of profile. So you're part of the team that wins the Stanley Cup in 2009 as a scout. Um, what'd you take away from that experience when you were there? I mean, when you saw you, you on the inside seeing this, you know, develop going because they were having an average year, you know, and then Dan Blausma comes along and, and all of a sudden it just, it clicks. What yeah. was it? What was it that and, just worked? And, you know, when I was a part-time scout, but I was fortunate because, you know, our, our staff really communicated well. And Jay Heinbach, who I played with at Northeastern, was our head scout. Uh, Ray Shiro, who's a very, very close friend of mine, was our manager. I got to know Chuck Fletcher, who's our assistant general manager, Danny McKinnon, Tommy, uh, uh, Tommy Fitzgerald. So I knew a lot of those folks and, you know, and, and, and Ray would share some things, you know, just privately confidentially. So, um, you know, the year before we won the cup in 08, we lost in the, in the Stanley Cup finals to Detroit. Detroit was a better team and Crosby, we, there's two elements that were pretty good too in, in 87 and 71. Yeah, <laughs> Crosby and Malkin does not hurt to have either of those on your so, team. <laughs> so, so those were two good starting points. And I was fortunate to come in in Crosby's second year, which was race, you know, for Ray too, his second year, but, uh, and Malkin's first year. So we were there installed. We, we, you know, Ray had drafted. Um, Latang was starting to come into his own and flurry flurry. Yeah. They were all, the pieces were coming the, together. The, the, the pieces and they were growing together, you know, kind of like the Oilers back then. So this young core was growing together. And so we had lost in the, the team had lost in the finals in 80, in, in 08. And then in 09, much expectation. And, you know, we weren't meeting the expectations. Ray had to make a change and had to, you know, uh, change out uh, Michelle Terrian and brought in Danny. And I can remember because, we were in the Forge restaurant after the bean pot and I was there with Ray. Um, um, actually Jason Botterill was there too. Uh, Tommy Fitzgerald and uh, things happened the next day. Um, but Ray was talking to Tommy about coming on board as, as, as assistant coach. And, and then the run was just unbelievable where the club went, I think it was 18, three and 18 and three down the stretch to Improve our to get a get in the playoffs because well, we yeah we were out of the playoffs at that point yeah and then improve your seating and then had a great run in the playoffs and it was just fun to watch what did you learn um, you know for me it was just looking back at Ray because I'm sure he was under a little bit of <laughs> through it uh, because expectations but he was you know although he I'm sure he was he never showed it externally he was he was patient he was you know neutral balanced didn't go high or low. Uh, wanted the club to win, made some, you know, some uh, changes at that point to the club. Uh, wasn't afraid to make a change, even though we were in February, because he believed in, hey, we had a good team. Um, you know, the patience that he showed was tremendous. Uh, and just how he carried himself and then how the team, you know, when Danny went in and Tommy went in, you know, changed, you know, the perception of the team and, hey, took the pressure on. Just like you said earlier, have fun. Hey, let's go have some fun. The team was feeling too much pressure. 
saying that was coming from from uh, from Michelle, uh, but they were just feeling the pressure. So Danny re relaxed the group, um, allowed them just to play a little more freely, and uh, and in that run, we got the uh, scouts be in there for a lot of the, the games, and including the, the Stanley Cup final game in Detroit, Game Seven, which will be an experience I'll always remember. We're talking with Jim Madigan, head coach of Northeastern University men's ice hockey program here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. We'll have more right after this. Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. <laughs> 